Okay, today's scripture will be um, from the book of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother tetrarch of the region of Itura and Traconis, and Lysianus, tetrarch of Abilene, in the high priesthood of Annas and Capias, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region about the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance, excuse me, for the forgiveness of sins, as is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Praise be to God. The text for Second Advent introduces us to John the Baptist. And it's the day we light the second candle of Advent, which stands for peace. Now, I don't know what liturgical genius came up with this, but John the Baptist is anything but peaceful. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he was a rabble rabble. He lived out in the wilderness. He wore these funny clothes and he yelled at people <laughs> all the time. Repent! And the kingdom of God is near. He confronted uh, Rome, which was treason. He confronted the Jewish aristocracy and the Jewish leadership of the temple, called them a brood of vipers. Uh, he went so far as to criticize Herod's marriage, because he married his brother's wife, which apparently John didn't approve of. And that ultimately got him killed. So John is anything but the representation of peace in the world he lived in. In fact, he brought a lot of chaos and a lot of turmoil. But then the world they lived in was full of chaos and turmoil. Luke, uh, in this text we look at today, begins by listing no less than seven significant historical figures in the first century in Judea. Several of them are, uh, the, the, you've got Caesar, and you've got the governor, and the tetrarchs of the kingdoms that were divided up between Herod's sons, uh, Herod and Philip, and uh, the other guy whose name I can't remember. And not only that, but he also lists uh, Annas and Caiaphas, as high priests. Now, in truth, Caiaphas was the high priest because Annas had been removed from his role as high priest by the Romans. I don't know what he did to bother them, but uh, they were not happy. And so it passed on to his son-in-law, Caiaphas. And there was this whole faction of people in Jerusalem and in Judea 
who refused to acknowledge Caiaphas as high priest because they didn't think it was right that Rome removed him arbitrarily. Truth of the matter was, Caiaphas was just as much in Rome's pocket as Annas was, and they were all collaborating with Rome, and they were all exploiting the poor, but for some reason they, they refused to legitimize Caiaphas and preferred Annas. And so Luke lists them both, because half the people recognized Annas and half the people recognized Caiaphas. Why all these names, I'm wondering. Uh, we're left to kind of ponder this, and I think it really has to do with Luke trying to place us in, in reality, in context, in history. In other words, these stories, God does not just break in in some weird time that could be any time. God does not just speak to us. God does not just... Uh, come in the form of Christ, in the incarnation of Christ, at any old time, like a myth, like so many of the Greek myths or anything. But there were real things going on. And there were real conditions when Luke was writing and when Jesus was born. People were being oppressed. The Romans were holding tight onto their control of Judea and the Jewish leadership were exploiting the poor. More and more. Certain people were getting rich. Other people were getting, most of the people were getting poorer. It was a difficult and ugly and violent time. I talked about last week how violent it got around this time in Judea. Because when the people have had enough, they start to rebel, and that's when Roman soldiers show up, and the slaughter begins. It was a difficult, ugly, violent time. And it was then, Luke tells us, that the Word of God came to John son of Zechariah. The word of God came to John and he went out into the wilderness and like the prophet of uh, like Isaiah before who cried out prepare the way because God's about to do something. Like Isaiah before who said you need to lay flat the rocky ground and bring down the high places and lift up the low pit places. It's almost a metaphor for the work of Christ who brings down the high and mighty and lifts up the lowly. I hope you can hear that. And makes an equal footing. John is telling us, like in the days of Isaiah, prepare for what God is about to do. And it is a word of hope where hopelessness seems lost. It is a word of peace in the midst of bedlam and chaos to those who are the victims of bedlam and chaos. I mean, it doesn't sound like peace the way John says it. It doesn't sound like peace when we hear it, but for the people who have been waiting, 
for the people who have been experiencing oppression, for the people whose lives were no longer in their control, for the people who wondered and cried out, How long, Lord? When John says, Prepare the way, because God's about to do something. What they heard and what they said to themselves, Ah, peace at last. Peace at last. And how does John tell us to prepare? Well, he throws out this kind of scary word that we in the liberal church don't really like to talk about very much. Repent. Repent. And that is one of those words that we kind of go, ooh. I don't have that kind of time, maybe, you're saying to yourself. Or, uh, I don't need all that guilt. I don't need all that shame. But in truth, what John called us to, or what John called his people to, to repent, was to turn toward God. The word repent literally means to turn around and go the other way. And what John is encouraging the people of Judea of his time to do is to turn and look to God and be facing God because God's about to do something. And you're going to want to be prepared. You're going to want to be oriented toward what God is doing. You might miss it otherwise. <laughs> I suppose a lot of people did, amen? A lot of people did back then. In the same way, John's word that came from God to him so long ago comes to us today. Amen? We live in a violent time. We live in an uneasy time. We live in a time when the poorest among us are getting poorer and exploited. We live in a time when there is such violence and we are gripped by fear. We live in a time when it looks like the earth is dying and it feels like there's not a lot we can do about it. We live in a time when even when the most heinous things happen, we cannot come together as a people and figure out what to do about it. We live in a time when there is great power in the hands of a very few and the rest of us feel pretty powerless. We live in a time when there is great struggle and outcry. And the word of God came to us. Turn toward God. Because God's going to do something. And just like in John's time, when John says, turn toward God and repent, for the time is near. You know, there were a lot of people who were expecting God to just come and fix everything. Of course, that isn't what happened. A little baby born in poverty in a stable in some backwater town didn't really make much of a splash, I gotta say. That wasn't what they were expecting. 
In the same way, we can't have our expectations focused on, whew, thank goodness God's going to take care of it, I can just go sit over here and watch. We know that isn't how faith works, amen? We know that isn't how faith works. But what God is about to do, what God is about to do is to give us what we need to see the dawning of a new day. Give us what we need to go from darkness toward light. Give us what we need to say, enough already. Give us what we need to lock arms and say, we're going to stand together against all of this injustice. We're going to stand together against all of this violence. We're going to stand together against all of this sorrow and this oppression and this depression. We're going to stand. We're going to call the strength of God. And we're going to look for that kingdom of God breaking in as represented to us through the birth of Christ that John preached about so long ago. So like then, it is now, we're called to turn away from the despair, from the sorrow, from the, the hopelessness that is breaking in all around us from the sense of the world being out of control. To turn away from the despair and turn toward God. And all that God is about to do. Through us, with us, and around us, in us. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we seek peace, we sing of peace, we light the peace candle, and yet there is no peace. We know that as we prepare, we seek you, as we turn toward you, you will put us on a path that will lead us to everlasting peace. Help us as we struggle to do this. In the precious and powerful name we pray.